This is a Media 8 production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children. The first beer goes down easy. It's bubbly, it's sweet, tickles the back of your throat. The second beer, you're starting to enjoy it. You kick back, getting a bit more relaxed. But it's the third beer, Brent. It is. It's the third beer that where you hit that vibe, a certain mellowness comes over. It's a golden light nectar, I would describe. The pub turns into a very happy place, and you've hit that spot that's just right. And our third beer is a special guest each week that we get to interview and have a chat to not only about the beer, but also about life and other stuff that men don't talk about. I'm Brett McCallum. I'm Chris Dixon, and we'd like to talk about the third beer. Yeah, buddy, how are you? Good, big fella. How you doing? Mate, I'm doing wonderful. I feel alive again. Looking better. Hey? Twinkle in your eye. I'm back. Mate, yeah. I was crook for five weeks. Five weeks was far. I'm not very nice. I saw your Instagram post earlier on this week. So Which one's that, mate? The Monday morning back to training. Back to training. Did uh, What did I do this week? Three sessions this week? Three sessions. Yeah. That's good. Nice More start. importantly, though, mm-hmm. I won golf today. You won golf. I did, mate. I had a round of 41. That's fucking awesome for me. I was well impressed. And I really got the head fucked the bl- other bloke I was playing with early. So he had about a 50. So I beat him before so, we even hit off. So it was less zen and it was more brain, oh, yeah, yeah, brain yeah. fuck, head fuck. Yeah, okay. yeah but no, it was zen for me. It wasn't for him. It was really good, actually. I like. I know how to play with him now and you know, <laughs> how to manipulate his head. Probably not the right thing to do, though. I'm wondering about that. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, probably not yeah, actually yeah, thinking yeah, about yeah, that out loud. Yeah. <laughs> but no, man, I'm feeling alive again. I woke up Saturday morning and uh, actually felt like I could breathe again, which is good. And uh, you're back into the gym and it's hurting. Tell Tomorrow I've got a, uh, a onesie session. We're all wearing onesies to the gym, so I've got myself a nice tuxedo onesie. I look good tuxedo, in a onesie. Yeah, tuxedo style. Mine indeed. I had you more as a kind of a tiger man yourself. No, I once had a Hulk onesie and yeah. I only bought it. never wore it. I bought it and hung it in my wardrobe and I said to my kids, if you play up, I'm dropping you at school in my Hulk onesie. They never played up. Didn't even come out for those special occasions. Special occasions with misses. No, no, she wasn't that lucky. Here is Hulk, (laughs) Hulk smash. None of that. Yeah, no. 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 Anyway, okay, all right. I've got a uh, a very good friend of mine today that's coming to see us. Yeah, his name's Paul Holland. Mate, Paul is a brother from another mother. Like we met each other. I'm going to say probably 2008, maybe maybe some like nearly ten years. Wow. And, uh, mate, the day we met, it was sort of like long lost souls had joined and banged heads together because we actually had gone through everything very similar. We've gone through the ups and downs of business. We've gone through uh, financial highs, financial lows. And uh, at the same time, at the t- we were building businesses at the time and uh, we just sort of clicked. He got screwed over by an old business partner and a few other bits and pieces happened and we helped each other through the process. And I thought I'd get him on and we'll have a bit of a chat about business and we'll have it. He's also gone through something that you've just recently gone through and we want to have a t- chat about that, see whether that helps you in your head as well. What do you reckon? We'll have a chat, mate. Welcome, Paul. Mr. Holland, welcome, buddy. Thank you. It's great to be here. Mate, um, firstly, before we start, a couple of weeks ago, massive part of your life. Congratulations on getting married again. Thank you, mate. Yeah, it was uh, a big thing. It's It's been a, a while coming. I mean, uh, Shell and I have been together 10 years. Yeah. Great woman um, too. You know, I was still married to my ex-wife for the first four of those <laughs> 10 years. It took me a while to get the divorce sorted out. <laughs> um, but no, great woman. And yeah, it's just it's really, really cool. It's one of those things that are sort of like, well, you know, it's a beautiful thing to do and it's something I wanted to do, 
but having now done it, it's, it actually actually does feel different. You oh, know, well, it's actually good, really mate. nice. So. Well, we're going to go through that today, but more, you know what we forgot to do? Hang on. This oh. is the most important piece. Oh, I was trying to, trying to point that way. Sorry, mate. That's all right. We grow beer out here amongst the fertile barley fields of the Riverina, New South Wales, in the small town of Yenda. So it's a little brewery. Some talented brewers and a passion for flavour and quality. Join us and share the Yenda story. Mate, today, you pick this one. Yenda Crisp Lager. Malt intensity hops. Easy drinking, easy drinking crafted lager. Sounds nice. I do like a lager. I'm going to go first today. Hey, he's done it. Hang on, look, look at this. Oh, I'm the worst beer opener on the planet. Have a crack at that. If you boy. had twisties, we could all go together. Yeah, but uh, are they twisties? I don't think they are. I think they are. No, no. Oh, they, oh, oh he's failed. I'll tell you what, <laughs> that they is are. the <laughs> worst third third beer uh, contestant <laughs> we've ever had open a beer. So well done. I feel good now. It's usually me. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Cheers, big fella. Cheers, Chris. Here we go. Here we go. What do we got? Oh, that's nice. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, I've had this before, actually. That's, um, oh, that's very drinkable. You really taste the malt and the hops, can't you? It comes in very nice. Yep, you Goes can. down easy. Woo! Good start to the day. Well done, mate. Good all choice. Right, all right. Well, uh, do we need more of an intro? You've already done the we intro. We do, mate. We need Paul? Paul to tell us his story. Tell us your story, bro. Oh, mate. Other than the fact he's a Kiwi. I'm a Kiwi. Um... Again, I didn't pick that up. Didn't you really? Oh, well, there's a, there's a story. When I first moved here, I moved to uh, Coomera on the northern end of the Gold Coast, where every second person's a Kiwi. Of course. And uh, it seemed like every second every second person I met said, oh, are you a Kiwi? Are you a Kiwi? Are you a Kiwi? And I got sick of that pretty quickly. So I actually uh, intentionally started raising my pitch on certain words. I started saying six instead of six. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now... Yeah, there's people I've known for years don't realise I'm a Kiwi. And then other people go, oh, your accent's so strong. How can no one know? So it's, I only know because you support the fucking All Blacks. That's well, the problem, man. The fucking best team in the history of world sports. Why yeah. wouldn't you? Good point, actually. Is it a problem? <laughs> no, it's not a problem. <laughs> if I had a choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good call, that one. <laughs> no, I'll pay that one. No, but, I mean, yeah, Kiwi boy. Uh, grew up all over New Zealand. My old man was in the military, so we moved around a lot. Went to a bunch of different schools. Um ended up in a high school that was um, in a lower socio area uh, where I was the the geeky nerdy kid who got the good results and most of the other kids around me were sports kids and a lot of uh, Maori guys and Islander guys. So before that I'd lived in like white middle-class New Zealand and came into this sort of multicultural society. So I learned a lot of good lessons there about uh, just getting on with people from all work, walks of life. And I think that's yeah, beat up. served me really Oh yeah. <laughs> that happened a bit. Not not as much as you'd think. It was a pretty good environment. Yeah. And it was a small school. Like, I think the whole high school had like 400 kids in it. Oh, okay. uh, you know, so it wasn't wasn't a big school. Um, yeah, got out of that. Went to work in a bank for three years. Went, oh, fuck this. This is a stupid idea. <laughs> you both worked in banks. We did. We That's did. what I'm saying, mate. Why do you hear this story? You're going to sit there and go, um, wow, that's yeah. interesting. Did a little bit of travel. Came back. Went to university for a semester. Went, no, fuck this. <laughs> um, and... Um, I was working in a servo pumping gas and I was there one day flicking through the newspaper and I saw an ad for a uh, film and TV production course and I thought, oh, that sounds sounds all right. Mum and dad were involved in musical theatre and stuff, so I'd sort of had a bit of exposure to that growing up. So, yeah, I went and spent a year at, um, well, like TAFE, New Zealand equivalent of TAFE, and 
learned some skills and kicked off into a career in film and television. Um, sort of started as a, a cleaning cameras in a rental shop, um, putting together kits, went out as a camera assistant, worked as a camera assistant, built my way up, became an operator, started shooting, uh, worked on projects from, you know, corporate videos and things uh, through television documentaries, television series, and I worked on uh, a couple of small film productions that came well, through like New Zealand. Lord of the Rings. Oh, there was that one. <laughs> just a small one. Small one. Mate, with that, hang on. I just have to admit how good your beard's looking at the moment. That is a mighty fine it is beard. A, it's actually it's going really good, champ. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm working on a, a dwarf or hobbit. Kind I'm of thinking that's that was where I was going with it. <laughs> I, th- I thought, yeah, I thought that's. I'm like more Gandalf, wasn't uh, it? Isn't that was that the Gandalf? Yeah, Gandalf, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the big more, tall fellow with the beard, bit yep. more grey coming it's through. Great beard. Anyway, sorry, yeah. mate. Keep no, going. that's all good. Yes, and look, I was lucky enough. I, I did work um, behind the scenes. I was on the behind the scenes crew: Lord of the Rings, King Kong, uh, Narnia, those big films. Love Narnia. And, Did you um, enjoy that? Yeah, it was great. Loved it. You know, I love. Why do you not do that anymore? Um, the way that that worked on those big films, I was on the behind the scenes crew, so we were shooting all the documentary footage and the making of kind of stuff. Um, the majority of my work was sort of more TV shows and and TV documentaries. Uh, and over time, with the advent of reality television, the quality of the work I was getting to do just sort of started tanking you know i found myself spending all week filming people renovating their neighbor's house and you know shit like that they just had no creative value it added nothing to the world and the i never really was, thought about it for that moment but a okay. week at a building site just filming people do and, shit and doing a bad oh, job of it too. Oh, you know, nice doing dude. a shitty job of it my, my head went straight to the block right yeah how many crew they must have hundreds oh, of them on that yeah, site on that sort of stuff Batshit boring must that be? You know, for me, I'd you know had those opportunities to work on the big films. I'd flown around Australia, New Zealand, the South Pacific, filming documentaries, and you know I went up to Bougainville, which is a little island off the end of the Solomons. Yeah, yeah. Is that a real name? Yep. Bougainville. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was Narang. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> boof, boof. Um, but you know they had nine years of civil war up there, and we went up there six months after it all got called off, and spent time up there filming a documentary. And that'd be interesting. Yeah, that stuff was great, but. When it's day in, day full out. On, full on conflict up oh, there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All started. Um, over, what was it? It was mining up there. Yeah, it was Cold, mining. I'm not Cold. sure if it was BHP or not, but it was one of the big mining companies. They had the largest open cast copper mine in the world. Really? And, yeah, the locals decided that not enough of the money from the mine was coming back to them, so they started causing trouble. They and, just took it. Well, they started <laughs> just causing trouble and sabotaging machinery, and then they started taking pot shots with 22s. Uh, so the mining Australian company Australian just defense was involved. Too. Yeah, SAS, yeah. SAS troops. Yeah, yeah. They, they was stationed out there for yeah. periods of time. In what's it called, Bougainville? Bougainville. Oh, I never knew that. What happened is the the mining company just went, "No, nah, this is too dangerous," and pulled out. Papua New Guinean government suddenly stopped making money from the mining company, so they sent their troops in to sort the locals out, and it turned uh, into nine years of civil war. Civil war. Guerrilla warfare in the jungle. Yeah. Wow. And then in the end, when we went up, yeah, the Kiwi Army the Aussie Army and the Fijian Navy were up there. And it was all peacekeeping and it was all no weapons. But there was a, an amazing number of medics <laughs> for no weapons. who were all six foot tall and five foot wide. <laughs> you know, yeah, a lot of SAS guys and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, but it was incredible. But, um, you know, going back to the story, that stuff's great when you're filming people renovating houses and just uh, the real estate shows and the corporate videos. It just, you know, it just it. got tedious and I just got over it. Um, yeah, so... Moved over here, try something different. Um, 
Actually, funnily enough. And were you married still then? I was still married, yes. Yeah. I moved over with the wife and the two young kids. They were they were young, young. Then uh, Aiden would have been not even two. He would have been one and a half and Morgan Aiden, would have been the six. The little fiery one. I was <laughs> going to call him one of my kids, Aiden. Oh, yeah, so really? that's, yeah. that's what the name means, the little fiery one. Yeah, yeah. yeah that makes a lot of sense then. <laughs> it yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, so that was cool. So we all came over together, and ironically, I ended up working on Big Brother as the first thing that I did here. Um, <laughs> the irony, yeah. You but it was a good that. reinforcement. I don't want to watch people renovate houses, but hey, I want to watch people watching people. <laughs> nice. Well, I decided I'd have a couple of months <laughs> off, but about ten days into my two months off, I was bored, so I made a phone call and got a job. <laughs> but you know, that was good. It was a good reinforcement that no, I don't want to do this anymore. So yeah, then it sort of diversified. I went and worked with um, a business coaching company selling coaching franchises. So I didn't know anything about coaching or anything about sales. So that was a, a good time. A learn. Lots of learning. Uh, bought my own small business, which is about the time I met the yeah. big fella over here. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just and life then, moves on. Life moves on. Got divorced, you know, split up. This has took the kids back to New Zealand. So wow. to learn to deal with, Split family and parenting and that custody would, issues. Okay, and, that would have been a big, big step. Yeah, it was pretty horrible. Um, there so was. Can we go into some detail? We like to go yeah, yeah. down into deep roots on this show because yeah, yeah. that's the type of people we are. So, why did you get divorced? What happened there? Um, just broke apart. Just yeah, just for me, it was my call. Um, yeah. uh, I just wasn't happy. You know, it wasn't a forever. Thing for me, yeah, cool. um, you know, I did meet someone else, and that was it wasn't the reason for it, but it was the catalyst to do something that I'd been considering. Um, you know, sometimes in life we think about things and we think about them for a long, long time, but we need something to give us the prod. And yeah, meeting someone else was that that prod to actually do what I'd been thinking about. Must have been um, hard with the kids, though. Yeah, it was. It was hard with the kids and, and making it work, and. Um, you know, I'll get into the full story. You know, yeah. um, I actually left uh, and then went back because mm. she threatened to take the kids away and I didn't know what else to do. So I went back and um, was back for four months. And in that four months, just sort of realized that, no, I, for me, the right thing for me to do is is not be here. You know, I was I was grumpy. I was a horrible dad. I was grumpy and shitty all the time at the kids for nothing that they did. Uh, you know, wasn't you a good their fault. husband? I think I was a good husband. Yeah. But, you know, the kids would suffer because I'd be stressed out or I'd be unhappy and they'd drop a fork and I'd yell at them or something stupid like that, you know. So, you know, so I went back for that period of time and I went, no, look, this isn't right. I, I, I do need to go. So I, I went. And she did take the kids away. Um, I must have killed her. Yeah, it was pretty horrible. Um, I actually drove them to the airport. <laughs> think back on it and think, fuck, what was going on? But it was like, it was sort of all I could figure yeah. out how to do, you know. Um, I didn't want to be away from my kids, but I also f didn't want to go back to Wellington for a whole bunch of reasons. Yeah. You know, I was done there. I get sick when I'm there. I'm as I grew up asthmatic. I moved here, and three months later, I'm magically cured. And every time I go back to Wellington, I get chesty and you know need Amazing. puffers and medication. Yeah. Shit. Um, I also had 16 staff in business at the time, and I felt you know a big obligation to them. I couldn't just drop and drop them in the shit. And sometimes you know I think, oh, if I can, you know, did I put them ahead of my kids? And I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer to that question, but. 
How old are the, how old are the boys now? Uh, I've got a girl and a boy. Uh, Morgan's 19. And uh, Aiden is uh, 14, nearly 15. Uh, a couple got, of weeks. I've got a 19-year-old and a 16-year-old. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, <coughs> you know, so I just, um, in that initial period, I travelled all the time to Wellington. Um, you know, um, my ex-wife and I were having all these discussions about custody and I was talking about, okay, well, cool, look, I'll move back over um, and we'll share the custody. And she said, no, it'll be every second weekend. So then we got into arguments about that and why every second weekend, why not every week and multiple weeks and da-da-da-da-da. Is that because she was bitter? Oh, very. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. Um, very, very bitter, very angry and upset, which is completely understandable yeah. and, you know, I'm completely responsible for that. Um. But in the end, yeah, I didn't want to go legal. You know, I didn't want to end up. We didn't have the money to go spending thousands of dollars on on lawyers. Neither of us did, you know, without stripping everything out of the houses and what have you. Um, so in the end, I thought I'm not going to win this argument. And I sat down and thought, well, you know, what can I do? And at the time, my thought process was, well, seeing the kids once a month isn't enough. But if I'm there, I'm seeing them every second week. Um, I figured out that I could do every third week. So for probably the first two years that they were back there, I flew to Wellington every third weekend for five days. I'd go on a Thursday and come back on a Tuesday and spend that time. Luckily enough, uh, the kids were living five minutes from my parents' place, so I could stay with my parents and uh, have the kids there. But yeah, just did those five-day weekends, and it actually worked out in terms of days with the kids. It actually worked out more time. Yeah, 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 yeah. it sounds beautiful. So it was cool. And then just technology, you know, um, FaceTime and video chat and all that stuff was was coming on. So uh, Skype in the earlier days, but just made as much use of that as we could to engage the kids. Um, you know, kids aren't great on the phone, um, especially my young boy. And um, so you'd get him on a video call and away he'd go. He'd light up and you could see him chat. So we'd do lots of that. And, uh, every school holidays, I'd have them back here. And then I'd go over, well, I was going over in that period regularly, but I sort of, that eased off. Um, but yeah, sort of during the term, I'd go back once or twice during the term. Um, you know, it's, it's easy. Like it, it's, it's, it's not far, you know, I had to plan for it and budget for it and what have you, but it's a three hour flight. It's not the other side of the world. You have to say the, the big thing is I, I know obviously a, a lot more of the story. And the fact is that you went through some financial turmoil through that whole process. Yep. But you still put the kids first and you still made the effort and you still did that and you're still oh, yeah. their dad and you're still all that sort of stuff. And, mate, that's that sort of shit's really important. And yeah. I think personally I think you did a fucking awesome job during that period. So yeah. it's it's something that um, I, I haven't been through the process. I'm not going to go through the process, no. touch wood. But no. uh, um, what, what, what's your thoughts on this, Chris? We're, obviously you're a bit closer because you're in the same town. Yeah, well, we're we're just uh, still exploring how how it fits together at the moment. It's working pretty good. Um, yeah, I've got like every second weekend on a Saturday, so we're kind of rotating around the kids. So uh, my missus will ex missus will leave the house, and I'll go there on Wednesday night and be there for the night in the morning, and then pick her up on the weekend. And then the pickups, drop offs, and everything between. We're about two minutes away from each other, so yeah, I'm living with my mother, and she's in the house. But we're looking at selling and. Uh, uh, exploring options. And so, you know, some of my kids are talking about 50, 50 and the eldest one's 19, you know, she's probably thinking about moving out and, uh, how it'll all fit together. We really don't know, but we just, we're just 
seeing how it fits at the moment. We're just trying to find the right squeeze. And uh, I'll also take one. I've got four kids, so I take one out for dinner on a Tuesday night. So it's a rotating roster on a Tuesday yeah. night. I'm there Wednesday night and then there's pick up and drop offs in between. And then the, every second weekend I'm there for the Saturday for the full weekend. So we're making it work. We're being very, very... Um, cooperative yeah. well, you've got to be it's not fun though is it i mean it's not fun and and yeah and i and i think you know originally i i moved out of the house and it was just to give uh, mrs space but um it was about recognizing what the kids need yeah. and i think my missus would have probably would have liked more space away from me but i think the kids were kind of not saying and kind of indicating that they needed more time and so we're trying to find the right balance i think we've got it at the moment but you know we're about to probably sell and um see the pieces with well, <laughs> yeah that's, that's where things get interesting because i mean yeah for me it was the kids first and the kids well-being and welfare and, and you know and at the time i felt a massive amount of guilt over leaving and creating the situation and things I believed at the time and I still absolutely believe today it was the best thing for me to do but that doesn't mean I didn't feel guilty for creating that situation and part of that manifested in me just giving away all the money <laughs> so you know we sold the houses and everything well, yeah, we had a house here and we had a couple of rental properties in New Zealand um, and basically we sold up and I, I gave her pretty much everything I did keep a couple of, I kept one house, but it was mortgage to the hilt and I ended up selling it for a big loss. Still owed the bank 40 grand or something once I sold it. Um, but yeah, basically I gave her all the money and, and left myself in, a, left myself thing, in yeah. a big hole. Oh, it was definitely a guilt thing. Yeah. Like it's not a financially smart thing to do for myself. But looking back on shit now, like obviously it's been a while now, right? Oh, yeah. And um, how do you, if you had your time over, would you do it different? I would do it different um, in terms of the finances. Oh, the whole thing. Oh, like, the whole thing. Because you yeah. obviously you were flying by the seat of your pants at the time. Oh, yeah. Because you'd never been through it. You'd never done it. It wasn't like in business when, oh, fuck, I knew I fucked it up last time. I won't do that again. Yeah. You don't get that second chance. No. Would, you, um, would you look at it different? Would How did the kids pull up out of all this? Oh, the kids are great. Yeah. Yeah, the kids were absolutely great. Um, you know, uh, my ex... Uh, to her credit, she took them to see a psychologist and, and things, a child psychologist, just to sort of for check-in and things. It wasn't a long-term thing. It was just to uh, go and see them and make sure, get a professional opinion to see if there was anything there that needed to be worked on. And what about um, you? They came out good. Did you ever see someone about it? I saw the bottom of a few bottles. <laughs> I'm sure you did, but did um, you, did you no. ever go and see someone about no, it? No, no, I never did talk to anyone professionally. Um, you know, I, I don't think I was in a bad place. Uh, emotionally like there was a lot of emotional stuff going on that i wasn't coping with at the time but i, I didn't get to a point where i was depressed or oh, I don't, think like it's that. really interesting yeah. <laughs> as a therapist sometimes you eat your emotions yeah, for yeah. Enough, and sometimes we financially deal with our guilt don't yeah. we so you kind of bought your way out of guilt as yeah, opposed to talking about <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and you kind of you know can eat your so eat my your, question to you then chris is like you're obviously a therapist, as you just called yourself. Yeah. Do you go and see a therapist about that then? Like we just asked Paul the same question and he's bought himself out of his guilt. Yeah, well, we I have, eat myself out of my guilt. What do you do? We have uh, supervision as part of our, you know, um, registration yeah. obligation. So, you know, I do speak to therapists on a regular basis and, and that comes about up. About you though? 
Yeah. Well, okay. In regards to how it impacts on my work. Yeah. And so you can't really separate the professional from the individual from you know, the work yeah. that we do. So it's about negotiating that space. And as you know, we've had Alistair on this show and, and Kieran, which are good mates of mine, so which are therapists as well. So we do engage in those kind of spaces. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think I'm traveling all right. I think as a therapist, you're a bit, a bit more educated on what you need to look out for. Mm. And, uh, you know, my wife's a professional too. So we've hit some spot, heat, you know, heated spots and you now my boy was pointing it out the other day, you know, where we might get a bit heated or tense or just, just aggressive in how we interact because it's difficult. Oh, you know, yeah, we've been together for 30 years. Yeah. We still love each other and there's still a space there, but it's like, you know, this has kind of ended. It's run its course and we're still trying to negotiate that space, but you've got kids lying around and, and Zven's, a, you know, my boy's the youngest boy and he's like, he doesn't like that energy. Yep. And, and I so, suppose that being the kids all being different ages as well, like the 19 year old, what's your little fellow now? He's 11, isn't he? 10, yeah. 10, yeah. So the 10 year old sees it completely different than what the 19 year old would. Yeah, and getting the 19-year-old to understand that, and she's working through her own stuff. Yeah. But what's been beautiful to see is that them come together. They have? Yeah, they've really supported each other, you know, and uh, come together. And uh, my second daughter, Alex, she's really kind of knitted the group together. And You're a legend, that's why. Been a bit of a, a, bit <laughs> of a team player, and, and, and so is Emily. And it's about, you know, Emily probably supports uh, the eldest, yeah. me and... Carly, so of she's course. got her own role to play. And well, I think they've Carly all got roles. Yeah, You'd yeah, have the same, wouldn't you? Oh, with yeah, the, with but, the kids, did they come closer or pull apart? Uh, no, closer. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's really interesting what you're saying about, you know, you do get a bit aggressive and because that definitely happened, you know, a lot of our interactions for, for years afterwards, um, you know, could end up in that. You'd end up sort of yelling at each other and, you know, that, that wasn't good. But, no, I think the kids, um, you know, they went with their mum, they were living with their mum, but, you know, um, I never talk badly about their mum because I don't have anything bad to say about her. I mean, she's a great person and a great mother. Um, and, you know, I don't believe she's ever said anything bad about me to the kids either. So um, the kids, though, they come together to support each other as they need to. And, yeah, there's never been any sort of anything from the kids. Um it's a family kill circle. We call it in our family. So. <laughs> it's a what? Family kill circle. What's that? Well, it's a, you know, a family coming together to do a kill, you know. It's, 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 it's a pack, you know, an animal, a beast, yeah, an intruder. Fair family, yeah, form a family kill circle. You, know? <laughs> you don't have this? Yeah, we do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just never heard yeah. it called that. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. That's cool. So, yeah, this one of the best things I've ever seen in this studio uh, is um, – Chris's daughter. You still haven't sent me that, by the way. I will do that, mate. Chris's daughter is um, a wonderful child. She's 16. Yeah. yeah, and she was having a bad day. So he brought her along, took her to work for the day. She came in, she sat in the back of the studio. And I said, do you know what I'd love to see? Because we're just chatting and stuff, and she's really interactive. And, that. and I said, I'd love to see you interview your dad. Oh. And, mate, they sat here, and we called it Dads and Daughters. Well, we're going to both do it, but I've, just, I've got this thing. It's fucking awesome. And it's literally... He's talking to her and they're just chatting away. And like, There's a show in that. Mate, there sure. is. And, and the thing is, what came out the back end of this thing was this 16-year-old girl sat there and he goes, yeah, I'm having a bit of a hard time and got this going on. And, and, and he's asking her all these questions. And then she goes, yeah. And then so I just did a bit of meditation and I just did this and did that. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, jaw on the ground, going like, that's just awesome. The way that yeah. she was dealing with stuff and the way – and. I didn't know whether that was just because of your background and your therapy or forming your kill circle, as you like to call it. But it's, uh, I think, like, I've got two daughters and two sons and each of them are completely different. Yeah. And I think 
um, if you stick them into a dynamic or throw them in a pit, they're all going to come together and work together as a team. And I think that's fucking awesome. That's well, just my opinion. I, I think that's what family is. And just because Carly and uh, and I aren't together anymore, we're still we're still essentially a family. You are. Yeah, yeah, it always will be. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a very interesting space to know how to negotiate. You know, I can only hope that I you know get to where you've gotten after you know ten years. How do um, events work? Like Christmases and like big family events and stuff. Do you? Oh, so um, how, how's that work? Um, Christmases we go year about for okay. Chris, for Christmas Day. Um, but family events and things have always just been, we're all in all together. Um, you know, again, um, when they moved back to Wellington, they lived five minutes from my parents. Yeah. Uh, and my parents became a big part of the support network. Excellent. So yeah, uh, Karine still has a very close relationship with my parents. So it's not uncommon at Christmas or birthdays or whatever that we're all there together. Me and Rochelle and, and yeah. she, she's there and the kids are there. And, and how's that going now with the ex and Roshi and stuff? Oh, fine. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. good. No drama. That's awesome. We yeah. haven't negotiated that space. and uh, haven't got there yet. They're, really. they're, they're not, not best friends. Oh, of course <laughs> not. They will be, but no, they can be in the same. I mean, yeah. Rochelle's got no drama because obviously she came from the outside, yeah, yeah. but from Karine's side, you know, she's always there, no hostility, nothing. We're always yeah, there yeah, having a good your, day. Your ex-wife still have another partner? No, she's she's not repartnered. She did She did date one guy that I know of. Um, for a few months, um, just because I know because I met him. Um, he turned out to be a bit of a scallywag and, you know, did, did the dirty honour and business and things. And But uh, other than that, no. So it's just been her and the kids. I've always raised this issue a lot. Like, I, I suppose I'm a, a sole trader, not really, as Brett will point out, not a business. So, uh, but um, <laughs> he hasn't got a product uh, to sell yet. Um, we are, we're getting there, though. But uh, you often talk about getting screwed over by business funds. Yeah. It's a theme. I keep, big time. I keep, every time we have talk about business, we talk about people getting That's screwed. Because I, I, I think it's a lot. We do talk about it, but, you know, I think, I sort of believe that it's not anyone's intention to screw anyone else over at any given time, unless no, there's obviously some dickheads out there in the world, right? Who are, no, it's who, like relationships. Yeah. No, so it's no like relationships. No one's trying to hurt They break anybody. down and yeah. I say this and you say yeah. that and you walk away and 10 years later I'll sit in the studio and go, oh, this guy screwed me over. Yeah. Okay. So it's really just a description. Yeah. It's okay. not. You know, well, in her case. <laughs> well, okay. Okay, so hang on. So the, Brett's convinced me. So in the two times. Over no, no. Yeah. So in the two much. times it's been mentioned in this podcast. Yeah. They've both been screwed over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're trying to be nice because that's the sense I get. No, it it's is. Bit, and it's the a thing bit is, fucking ruthless. But someone gets screwed yeah. over, right? Because someone believes something and someone goes, well, this is mine and that's mine and that's yours and because that's what they believe. Now, the other party believes something different. So at the end of the day, yeah, they have been screwed over. But they've probably been ultimately screwed over by a lack of, one, knowing who that person really was, two, having clear guidelines up front, uh, three oh, being Christ. responsible. You were talking. <laughs> what is it? Give a fuck. What was the thing you did? A fuck bucket. No, no, no. You, that, that talk you did. Oh, fuck up nights. Fuck, fuck well, up nights. That was the three points. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, See, we have known with. each other a while. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that came out of the night. That just wasn't yours, wasn't it? That's yeah. funny. And it's the same yeah. across a lot of business. And I actually think it's a really interesting topic we're discussing, like with the breakup of marriage and stuff, because I always say now when you go into business, with a business partner, treat it like a divorce up front, 
So you know who gets what, how it works. That's right, that's right. And if you sign to those paperwork, you put yep. them in a drawer just in case. Yep. And a lot of people say, well, why would you do that? That's bringing negativity. No, it just means you're not going to get fucked over by someone because everyone knows the rules. Well, it's like a prenuptial agreement, isn't it? 100%. And the thing is, if, if you know the rules uh, up did front. Did you uh, enter a prenup? No. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing. I had no, yeah, well, I had nothing <laughs> both times. <laughs> well, it makes it easy. Yeah. It does. No. But yeah, that, but that's that's an interesting thing, and, and they're very similar. Like a marriage is very similar to a, a business relationship in um, in some aspects, not in all of it, obviously. But yeah. um, all, also, some of the times I've been screwed over on multiple occasions, hundred percent my fault. Yes, without doubt, and I would never have said that previously, but. I'll put my hand up and take responsibility for my own actions. You got to, and that's one of the things where I think when you get the point, and you've helped me a lot well, with this, Chris. Well, I'm interested in the the terminology that we're yeah. using. So it's not really getting screwed over, is it? Well, some it's, of it is. <laughs> you lose a fuck ton of money, and, and they steal it and put it in their bank account, and then leave the country. I reckon that's pretty close to being screwed over. It sounds like you've been, uh, you know, or I bitter. Think, I think no. What, what but, <laughs> What responsibility do you take for that? For that one, absolutely none, because oh, okay, that were just okay, thieving okay. gypsies. All right. But other ones, I've made decisions. <laughs> I'll challenge you on that, though. I'll challenge oh, you yeah, on that. Okay. That's Come on challenge. That's because challenge. we'll go back to 2008 when I got screwed yeah. over by Fuck Knuckle, whose name we'll never mention. And <laughs> um, Fuck Knuckle, we'll call him. We'll call yeah. him Fuck Knuckle. Mr. Fuck, Fuck Knuckle. Mr. Yeah. Fuck um, so, same thing happened, right? He took the money and fucked off. But I'll challenge you on saying you had no you know, your area of responsibility because could you have been watching the money closely or more closely? Of course. I was on the golf course at the time. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll take responsibility and for the that. The same bit. for me. I wasn't watching yeah. closely enough. You know, I was just doing my own little thing and trusting that, you know, what, what was being said was it being would. done. And it's really interesting because trust is a great thing. i got no problems trusting people, but there's a line between blind trust and trusting and being responsible. So, yep, I'm trusting you to do your thing and I'm checking on it, not just I'm trusting you there's to do your thing and hoping. There's a difference between trusting and being a social loafer and a social loafer is lets other people do stuff and, <laughs> and goes and plays golf. Abdicating. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you've got to have your finger on the pulse. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. Yeah, you've got to get your head out of your ass. It's a pretty part of that too. Is like if you're in a position where your business is going that well that you can play golf three days a week, and take your eye completely off the ball and leave it in the hands of someone else, you deserve to be fucked over. That's what happened to me. So it's my fault 100%. I admitted it. I feel better, all right? Okay, so it's not getting screwed over. It's... No, it is, but it's screwed over in a, in a way that could it have been different? Maybe. If they were going to fuck you over from the start, they're going to fuck you over. You don't know these things. Mm. But at the same time, that particular instance, the way it all started was completely wrong. And the gut was saying, don't do that. And the head was going, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So it always comes back to that trust your gut thing. Trust your gut. 100%. So you can't trust other people. You can only trust, trust your own instincts. Is that what you're saying? No, you can trust no, other people, trust but other you have people. to trust your instincts more. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Good example. I would lend Paul money. I don't lend anyone money. I'd lend Paul money because I know it would come back to me at some stage right? because I trust him. But at the same time is I would also remind him at certain stages through that process and I know that if he didn't give me that money back, and this hasn't happened, this is just a hypothetical, there's people like Paul and I's relationship, we don't see each other every day, we don't see each other every week, I haven't seen each other for ages actually. Mm. But at the same time, the relationship and the trust is there because that's just the relationship that we've had. 
And there's certain people that you sit there and go, yeah, maybe I wouldn't do that with that bloke. But we're partners in a business because we do this, this, and this, and that's all we do. That makes sense. Yeah, I just think your your instincts and things need to play a bigger part. I think, and it's probably a blokey thing that we don't probably listen to our intuition and things as much as like a girls the girls do. Um, but your gut's not often wrong. I mean, you know, you, you go from a scientific point of view, you start talking about your unconscious mind and your conscious mind. You know, we know that your conscious mind is such a tiny, tiny percentage of the brain power. So when you're getting those intuition and the gut feelings and shit, it's the, it's the fucking 98% of your brain <laughs> <laughs> trying to hammer it home, you know? Spitting out an idea and saying, <laughs> yeah, oh, 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 yeah. Well, Tommy's yeah, a bit yeah, funny oh, today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. No, but it's, you know, it's interesting. And, yeah, I think it's just that, yeah, distinction between blind trust and... Yeah, I think it's a good way to put it. Being So are you still with the partner that you kind of left all the relationship yes. for? Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I left that. We've been she's together a wonderful 10 years, lady too. She's a beautiful woman, and yeah, she's my wife now. Very patient. Congratulations. Thank you. Good woman. She's a very patient woman. No. <laughs> she is. Well, she is. I mean, she's an incredible woman because I left my wife to be with her, and then I went back to my wife, and I was fortunate enough that those four months down the track, you know, we're still there. That she was willing to take me on. I've got a question for I just you. I think it's because I'm such a good oh, catch. Mate, it's the handsomeness. <laughs> I've got a uh, question for you, and this is something that we, we've discussed previously, is that when you when you went through your marriage turmoil, mm-hmm. did you talk to, and we, I know we didn't do it professionally, but did you talk to your mates or did you talk, like we, we had this conversation, I think it was last week, about do blokes actually stand around in a pub and talk about blokey stuff? And you mentioned it a couple of seconds ago, mm-hmm. like blokes intuition, whereas Chris's thoughts on this is the fact that the he goes to the feminine side and he talks to the women in his life as opposed to the men. That's that's fair call. Uh, is that a good way to put it or not? I think men talk and engage in a particular way and whether or not we need more of that or that needs to be more effective is interesting. But often men will, will, will have those conversations with the feminine in their lives, sisters, mothers, aunties. You know, I, I think we, we – Engage the feminine through the feminine often is the case. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting point. I'm actually trying to think back and, you know, I don't have great recollection of talking to others, a, a lot of people, um, you know, um, maybe one or two close people, but no, not really. I mean, I think I did a lot of it on my own yeah. and I think that causes a lot of problems for for people. Um, it's, it's just, yeah, thinking about the whole who do we talk to and, and things like that. And I know for a fact I got um, oh, 12 months ago, I got put into a group on Facebook, uh, which is a, I don't know. BA, Blokes BA. Advice. I know BA? Exactly. We, talk, we speak about a fair okay, bit Okay, cool. Here. So I'm a, a BA member. Yep. Do you know that you both were BA members? Uh, only because it comes up on there and says Paul Holland has commented on this. I probably don't pay enough attention. <laughs> but the thing about I stalk him. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I mean the thing for me is that like I I I went through my turmoil and look I definitely had troubles and <laughs> there's a funny story I I, used, I went through this whole thing and Brett knows I've spoken at seminars and and what have you and and I went through this whole thing of learning how to be a seminar speaker and one of the things that they told you is that you needed to have your defining moment story. So I sort of, I took a piece of what went on for me during my 
the divorce and things like that and made that defining moment story. And, you know, I sort of used that for a year or so and afterwards went, this is a crock of shit, this whole defining moment. You're just trying to manipulate people with yeah. emotions. But the story is that I'm a little bit OCD. I like things lined up. I like well, all my stuff. email story early on, <laughs> I, I, I was moving yeah. in that direction. So, <laughs> you know, I like things being neat and tidy and things like that. And one of my things is um, that in my wardrobe, all my shirts hang the same way. And in order, right? So I've got like I could have so much fun in your wardrobe. Business <laughs> shirts, and then casual dress shirts, and casual then polo dress. shirts, polo, and then t-shirts, and my t-shirts, t-shirts are hanging. T-shirts hang. Holy fuck! I hate fucking folded t-shirts. What the hell is going on here? And then they hang by color, right? Oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> and then by day. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. But if I want a, if I want a blue T-shirt, they're in the blue ones and the grey well, ones. Surely and... blues are only worn on a Monday. What's going on? <laughs> the blue section. <laughs> but one day I found myself standing in my wardrobe, walk-in robe, crying because one of my shirts was facing the wrong way on the hanger. Like literally that set and me off. And you didn't get help? I literally fucking I literally set me off and I'm fucking in tears in my wardrobe because one of my shirts was facing the wrong way. Now, obviously that's not the real not reason normal. I was actually upset, yeah. but it was it was the trigger. Um, but, yeah, I just sort of, no, I didn't speak to a lot of people. And then, yeah, being in BA on Facebook, I'm just fucking blown away by the number of guys that struggle every single day. I'm amazed how many of them share it. You know, I've had bad days and I've had bad times and things like that, but I've never once thought about topping myself. Mm. Um, yeah, no, and these guys in there that just talk about struggling with depression and the black dog and I think, just like, I think fuck, it's, people it's, need help. I didn't realise it was such a massive, massive issue. Oh, huge. Unbelievable. There, was, there was one a couple of days ago. There was a post about a guy whose brother had killed himself a couple of years ago uh, over custody access to his kids. And straight away I went, fuck, thank God. Uh, I'm massively grateful that I didn't have any of that. Um, but then he put a stat in there that says something like 21 dads a week or 21 dads a month or something kill themselves over custody issues in Australia. Holy You'd see that a fair shit. bit, wouldn't you, Chris? That sort of stuff. I know you can't talk about a lot of stuff on openly, but you'd see you you must see a lot of those sort of issues arise. Talk think about, people think down about your own realities, right? Mm. You hook up with a, you've got a group of mates. You've had a group of mates. You've got a group of mates, and you hook up with a broad. And all of a sudden, you're spending more time with her, and you're not spending so much time yeah. with your mates. It slows yeah. down. You have less contact with mates. Maybe you catch up, play golf every month, once a month. But then there's a certain pressure seeps in from your partner. About you spending too much time with your mates. And all of a sudden, because we were in love and we care, we start to distance ourselves slowly but surely. But their social networks are still thriving. They're still engaged. They're still yeah. with their friends. They're still connected. They still have this circle of support. And gradually, men's circle supports kind of wane away. And then all of a sudden, the relationship breaks down and you've got kids and you've got mortgage and you're breaking up and they've still got their support network, but blokes tend to be quite isolated at that point in time. Even when it comes to connection with family, often the relationships put such a big strain that they have less of a contact with mum and dad or brothers and sisters. It's just an interesting phenomenon. I mean, I've witnessed that in my own life, but it's about how you reach out and how you communicate and connect. And men often don't have those skills. And that's, that's why right. you'll often see a man go from one relationship straight into another oh. relationship. 
yeah. and men that don't have those options, it's just a complicated space. You've got all this tension and stress and you don't know what to do with. And the easiest thing to do is just to put your hand up and go and have a chat with someone. But for some people, they're so disconnected from a broader support network that that's not even an idea. The thing I find with blokes' advice is the amount of people that actually comment. Mm. Like, yep, someone puts up their post mm. and you're getting hundreds and thousands of comments of people saying, mate, you'll be right or good on your champ or yeah. like, keep your chin up. Like, there's a whole part. There is a support network there, which I think is really important. I, I think it's a, a really, really good thing. Oh, I think it's good too. I often wonder, you know, like because so many guys put their opinion in there and like, you get this differing advice and I sort of sometimes wonder, the validity of the advice, but I think the value of you saying I'm in trouble and having 3000 people say something back yeah. has value. And, you know, there's been guys posting there saying this group saved my life, you know, which is great. I mean, I think there's probably, and this would be interesting, Chris, if you've experienced this, but it's that sort of blokey culture of not talking about stuff. You know, I think I'm pretty fortunate. I mean, I think, you know, I, I've, been through personal development seminars and, and those sort of things. And it's definitely opened me up. And I've got a really good network of mates who I might not see all the time, but Brett's a great example. I could ring Brett at any time, day or night, and tell him I was in trouble. And I'd do it, you know, because I know that I wouldn't get, oh, yeah, you'll be right, mate. You know, I know I'd actually get some, Where some, are you? Some, actual, you. some actual help. It's one of those things. But for a lot of blokes, just actually asking for help, is that, you know, is that still blokes see it as a sign of weakness or – is there still an issue there that needs to be dealt with? Well, that is a sign of vulnerability. It's about whether or not being vulnerable is a weakness. Mm. You know what I mean? And so I think it's a very interesting space. And I think we're trying to find ways in which we can communicate it. I mean, you guys love this this uh, Facebook page. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, fucking it's awesome. I'm not sure I'd get anything from it. Interesting. Yeah, I suppose yeah. I'm. A, that's just where I sit. I'm not sure that listening to and 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 engaging in that kind of forum would. Well, there's really... plenty of pictures of good-looking birds in there as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's actually what it is. So <laughs> I because I, I, I sit here and wonder whether or not that's something that that I would do. Um, I've got a very close network of people that I that I can reach out to, but I think a lot of the work you need to do is with yourself. So 100%. I go full circle back to the idea of how do you sit with your own shit. And yeah. I think that a lot of my advice to people that are in that position is, is you don't need to do anything at all. There's nothing you need to fix. There's nothing you need to change. I mean, suicide, when you, you it's really about control. I'm in such a fuck position. I've got no other mechanisms for control. The one thing I can control is whether or not I'm here or not. And so actually deconstructing that and saying, hey, you don't even need to control that. What, what, if you did nothing at all, what would happen? And it's about really kind of opening up to the idea that you can't that you've just got to sit with this shitty situation and eventually it'll change. So it's an interesting, interesting dynamic. Yeah. I love the fact that as a therapist, you think completely differently than we do. But then when you say it like that, it's actually the same way we think. And I think one of the things that not many people know, well, they're starting to know more because I talk about it a lot more now, is that Chris saved my life a number of times because he – I can just keep asking me questions. He's the most annoying person on the planet, right? <laughs> but I used to go in every Friday and sit down with him and we just chat for like literally two hours. I'm sitting there the first few sessions. What the fuck am I even doing here? And then I realised that that's actually getting all this shit out. It's all coming up. And then we'd meditate and then we'd do these different things and you sit there and actually after a while you start to learn, wow, I can deal with that myself. 
And, that, and I think that's probably the, one of the best things that you ever taught me is I can do that. Like the thing I love every Friday is we do this podcast because I get so much therapy, if you want to call it that, out of it just by having these conversations. And I think that was the whole purpose, what we did wow, with this. this has turned into, you know, therapeutic voyeurism for you. Hasn't <laughs> it is. I love it. Oh. I see how fucked up people are. No, <laughs> I, I, I get that, though, because I'd love it as well because I think through my life, um, you know, I went, I spoke about it at school, learning to deal with different cultures and, and then even through my career, learning to deal with different people day in, day out. The extreme example of that is that I spent an afternoon in the Prime Minister's office in New Zealand having a cup of tea with Helen Clark when she was the prime minister. And the next morning I was in a black power gang house um, and it was like the two opposite extremes. How did you have a cup of tea with the prime minister? How did you end up in a black power? <laughs> yeah, you're asking for detail that I can't, can't remember now, but it happened. You know, we were filming, amazing, we were filming with the prime minister. And yeah. What have you? But yeah, the next morning I was in a fucking black power gang house and it was, it was crazy, but, I think just through that ability and then getting involved with a business coaching company and meeting people and then just having the way my brain works, being able to understand it, getting into marketing, starting to work across different industries. I love having conversations with people who do all sorts of things because I feel like I can actually join in those conversations and then learn more from them. So you sit me down here with a gang member or a politician or a freaking accountant or a, an architect and I feel like I've got something of value and I can have a and conversation. That's what we do every week. No, that's why I, I love it because yeah. I, I meet all these different types of people. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, today we changed Prime Minister. We did. Wow. Okay. And so again, we, uh, again, Scott Morrison. The, Are you taking the piss out of us Australians? I, I am. Over there. I am. And uh, we've got a bloke somewhere. How do you think he's feeling? Which one? Top dog that's no longer top. Malcolm. Mr. Turnbull. Mr. Ah, Turnbull. Whatever. Walk on, move on. I saw, I saw, I saw. That's the way he wants you. I saw a real uh, Malcolm last night. Did you? When he came out and said, "Fuck it, I'm going to strap a bomb to myself, and you guys are going to have to come after it. I'm going to blow the whole thing up." There was a beautiful look in his eye. You know, when he's trying to trying to keep the party together and trying to be this Mister Medium. But that look was in his eye before he started. It was before he first got there. That's what I'm saying. Everyone's going. He's going to be the best prime minister this country's ever had, and. He lost his testicles. One, yeah. no, the power, the, the the power structure sucked the life out of him. But once he was free from it, I'm wondering how he's feeling right now. I'm thinking relieved. I reckon he would feel as light. He had a win. Probably he stopped the he stopped the right from taking. Went out on his own. He did it on his he own. Won the other day, him. so therefore he's he's beat Mr. Potato Head out of the first one, yeah. and then and now reckon, Scott Morrison. How do you reckon Abbott's feeling right now? He'll feel like he won. You reckon he feels like he but won? But the problem is because Morrison got in and, and not uh, Mr. Potato Head, mm. then um, he actually maybe didn't win. I reckon Abbott will be feeling like he should have stuck it out and had another go. I reckon that's mm. how he'll be feeling because well, he'll, what he he'll want that job back. That's what he did with Dutton. So Dutton was a puppet for uh, for Abbott. And yeah. um, so the man with the big ears compared to Mr. Potato Head. And they both lost. And I'm, I'm happy about that. The problem is Scott Morrison, who's gone in there now, and he's our new Prime Minister, um, and have all respect for any prime minister as they come in, unless it was Bill Shorten. Um, but the thing with that is that this, in. this this guy was the best politician Australia had ever seen, right? And he was the young gun and he'd, he'd fixed immigration, he'd fixed this, and then they put him in as treasurer and he fucked it up. Yeah. And he didn't have the balls to continue. And it makes you wonder because the same thing happened to Turnbull, right? They both come in and then they fucked it up. And it's like... But did they fuck it up? That's my whole thing. Is like, or is that just the way it works? So the reason I started talking about that because we're talking about power 
Yeah. And we're talking about having tea with the Prime Minister or being in a... I'd like to have tea with the new Prime Minister of New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. I quite like her. I reckon she's a feisty thing and she goes right. Okay. Interesting. And the ability for a man... I I don't think men need or should reach out, but I I think they need to know they can. Do you know the difference I'm trying to work? No, explain it to me. Do you know what I'm trying to say? It's not that you you should, but you but you can. There's nothing wrong with. You have the ability it. to, but you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to. Well, there's yeah, a um, there's a charity. I think it's based here on the coast or in Brizzy called Living. Yep. And um and their their motto is it's not too weak. It's not weak to speak or something. Yeah, yeah Living speak spoke at uh, that conference we went to the other day. When we you spoke. What was Beyond that? the beers. Beyond it was called. The beers. But that's it. Go. It's not weak to, to speak. speak. Yeah. Not weak to speak. Good advice. It doesn't, no, doesn't the same as the hell. Are you take okay? Take anything away from it. Yeah. Are you okay? I love it. You just fucking just ask someone. Are you okay? Yep. I'm good, mate. No worries. Good. Mm. Well, Paulie, thanks so much for coming in and joining us, mate. Oh, thanks I, for having me. It's I really been great. appreciate it. It's a great story. Thanks for getting in deep with us. And Chris, I hope that's raised a few things in your head. That was my plan today. I wanted to throw a few seeds into your head and see how someone else has come through the other side of this. I know it's early and you're dealing with it good and stuff like that, but. I just wanted you to meet Paul as well. Okay. Well, thanks, Paul. Oh, thanks for, for coming down in the trenches. It was interesting. I think we really touched some spaces. Um, but I'm okay, mate. I know you're doing good, mate. That oh, beard is fucking no. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get to the important part of the day. We grow beer out here amongst the fertile barley fields of the Riverina, the town of Yenda. What do you think? And the way we do this, Paul, is we uh, we come up with a picture in our head of what you'd be doing with this beer, and then we give it a score out of 10. And Chris always goes first because he's the poetic one of the two. What do you think, bud? Oh, it's a Sunday afternoon. And I seem to drink every Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I've just mowed it's the pattern. I've just mowed the lawns. Yeah. Yep. And I've got the, an itchy kind of grass feel on my yeah. socks, and I've got that smell of the, the you know the cut grass in trauma oh, wafting up. Spell. Yeah, through the veranda. It's about two thirty in the afternoon, and I'm thinking I'm going to sit back and sneak an early one in, and uh, this little bad boy's turned into a six pack. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. So what's the square out of ten? Mate, I love it. I actually really, really do. So I'm going to give it an eight and a half. A, a yenda, you know, crisp lager. I crisp like lager. it. What I do like you got, Paul? Hops and the malt, mate. I'm sitting on the deck at home, and uh, and you've popped over for a, for a casual catch up on a Saturday afternoon. Got the uh, the car racing going on in the telly. And uh, we crack a couple of these, and yeah, a couple of these suddenly become thirty because <laughs> <laughs> they just go down easy, and we're just sitting and talking and being mates and having a good time. What are and, you scoring um, out of ten? I'm going eight and a half as well. That's a good drop, mate. I'm 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 with you both on that. I, I think it's one of the the nice of of the lagers. I'm a big lager fan, and just the maltness is a bit that got me. Mm. It reminds me of when I was a kid. And we used to stop at Taree on the way up to uh, to Hathead, which is near Kempsey. And we used to stop at this little um, milk shop. Milk, what are they called? Uh, milk bar. Milk bar. And we used to, only place we ever used to drink milkshakes. And they had a malted milkshake. And that malt taste reminds me, puts my head straight back to that milk bar at Taree. Not that it was alcoholic, I think. That's just where it put me. But anyway, I love that beer. And I'm going to go, it's eight and a half as well. I think that's one of the best scores we've given. Yenda, come on board. Thanks for coming on, Paul. Paul it's thanks, right. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Have a good one. See you later. Bye-bye.